Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. Well, welcome back to the second part of the DLC dealing with the 20 traits or 20 principles that I learned from the interview with Patrick and Christy Ingram over the last nine episodes. So welcome. And today we are going to get into the second part of this, the second 10. Step number 11 or principle number 11 of these 20 amazing truths or principles that I learned from this interview is at your darkest point, God is preparing the turning point. It is such an important point. At your darkest point, God is preparing the turning point. This came in episode five of this interview. And you know, so many of us give up at the border of the promised land and never cross over into all that God has for us. You see, things can get really darkest before dawn. And I know that's a cliche, but it's so true that when you're about to have a victory, when you are about to experience victory in your life, sometimes just before that victory, it seems things are the darkest. And I really believe that at these darkest points, God is about to turn things around, about to change things in our lives. And I've experienced this over and over again. When I think that things are hopeless, when I've come to the end of myself, it's almost like when we come to the end of ourselves, God is there and God is saying, okay, now you've done it your way. You've tried it your way. You've done things the way you thought you should do them. Now it's time for me to take over. I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to create a miracle. Patience is what's produced from tribulation. And as we've already read the scripture in James 1 verse 2, James tells us that count it all joy when we fall into various trials and tribulations, for it's the testing of your faith which produces perseverance. Trials produce patience, perseverance. When we learn to be able to just be patient, to just sit and say, Lord, I'm clinging on to the picture that you have given me. We spoke about that yesterday's episode that God wants to give you a picture like Abraham God gave him the picture of stars but many times we get impatient we want to as Abraham did create an Ishmael instead of an Isaac we go out and we do it in our strength we get impatient God you're not moving fast enough you're not working fast enough for me so I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it my way and you know, this is the amazing thing about God is he does not stop us from doing it our way, but he's always there when we're ready to say, you know what, our way didn't work. What he's trying to do is he's trying to teach us to be patient. His timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways, but his ways and his timing is perfect timing. He knows all the details. He knows all the hidden things that we don't see. And so when he comes to the fore, when he gets things done, it's perfect. Timing is perfect. Everything is perfect. But God wants to produce patience in us. These trials and tribulations that you are facing, if you can learn one thing from them, how to believe in him that he will get things done and be patient and let him do it and don't step out and do it in your own. 
James 1-2 says, and patience will have its perfect work in you. Do you want to be perfect? Well, then allow patience to have its work in you. Patience produces the perfect work that God wants to do in you. Success principle number 12 that I learned from this interview. In your lowest place, as you let go and let God be God, is when change happens. Now, we kind of mentioned that in number 11, and this was covered in episode 6, so we kind of went over it again. However, the first one deals with learning to be patient, even in the darkest times, even in the hardest times. The second one says, in that patience, learn to release the fight that you're fighting. Let God fight your battles. I know we want to fight our battles. We think we're tough, but God's tougher and God wants to fight your battles for you. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it actually says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In fact, tomorrow's episode, Daily Life Connection episode, I talk about peace and I share a little experience that I had. And so tune into tomorrow for a little bit more about this peace that the scripture talks about. So when we let go and let God, This is when peace comes in. This is when we experience true peace. Until we do that, until we let go, we are always going to be worrying and fretting about things because we're trying it in our own strength and our strength is limited. And therefore, of course, we're going to worry. Of course, we're going to fret because we can't fix everything. But God can. God's strength, God's ability, God's power is not limited. He has limitless strength and power. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's that same rest, same peace that Paul speaks about in Philippians, that when we let go and we go to him and we say, you know what, I'm tired of all my striving, my trying, and my strength is giving out, God, I want to let go and I want you to take control. Number 13, It can be harder to trust than it is to love. We dealt with this in episode 6. We need to answer these three questions when it comes to trust. Can you trust God to turn things around? Do you trust Him that He cares more about you than some agenda that He's trying to get done? Can you trust Him that His plans are better than your plans. Like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, my plans for you are not to harm you or to hurt you, but to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that? Can you trust him? Those are three incredibly important questions. And that principle says it's harder to trust than to love because honestly, we might love some people, but trust is earned. Trust I can choose to love, but trust is really an earned thing. If people show over and over again, show that they are trustworthy, your trust will grow. But one little mistake, one little area that people break your trust, it's hard to get that trust back. Has God ever broken your trust? I want to say that, no, he 
hasn't. And if you thought he did, it's probably more of a misunderstanding from your side than God actually breaking your trust. You see, you need to understand who God is. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand your identity as a child of the king. And when you start to understand who you are, and then you also understand the character of who God is, you can truly throw yourself at him and trust him that he will do what he says he will. That it might not be at your timing and your pace, but he will do it because his character is flawless. His word is truth and you can trust him. It's hard sometimes to trust, but we need to learn how to trust him. And it starts with us knowing who he is, understanding who we are in this whole aspect of sonship. We are not servants. We are children. We are sons and daughters of the king. Number 14, we each need to take up our own responsibility. The word responsibility is an an interesting word. It has the word ability in it, and it has the word response. I kind of see it as this way, that we have the ability to be able to respond correctly. We have this ability, and we need to recognize this ability, that we have an ability to respond correctly or incorrectly. That is our choice. Responsibility is saying, I'm not going to put my blame on other people in the way that I respond towards my wife or towards your husband. Stop blaming them for your responses, your way that you are acting or behaving or the way that you feel. The truth is, is that no one can make you feel the way you feel. You have choice. And I deal with this in my book, Let It Go. And I speak about choice and I speak about how choice is exactly that choice. We have been given free will. And there are too many people who give their choice over to others by becoming victims, by saying, you know what? You made me do this. You made me treat you this way. You made me say those words. You made me sulk or scream or get angry or whatever it might be. You blame on others. We need to each take up our own responsibility. Stop trying to change your spouse or others. Focus on yourself and allow God to work on your spouse in his timing. Get your hands off of your spouse. Get your hands off of others and say, Lord, I'm not going to bother about trying to change them. I'm going to trust, that's the previous one, trust in you that you will change my spouse, that you will work in them, that you will do the work that you so want to do in them. Man, there is so much in this. Each one of these points, I could do an entire sermon on. I could speak on them for 40, 50 minutes because there's so much power in each of these. And maybe that's exactly what I will do in future episodes is maybe take each of these points and really expound on them and look at them. But for now, it's time to look in the mirror. Allow him to change you. You can't even change you. Only God can. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, But we all behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord with open face, and are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. We look into a mirror, we see the image of Christ in that mirror, in the Word, by the Holy Spirit, and we say, What I see there, I want you, Lord, to do in me. And guess what? He will. He'll come and he will start putting in you as you fill your mind with the word, as you start allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. 
you will start to change. And all those things that you have battled with in your marriage, all those things, those areas that you've been trying to change in your own strength, you will see God do an amazing miracle in your life. Stop being a victim and allow God to turn you into a victor. Number 15, God is in the restoration business. This is one of the things I love about these new daily life connection podcasts is that it's about stories and it's about stories of others and how these stories have impacted their lives and how those stories can impact you. But one of the underlying themes you'll notice throughout every time I interview people is this whole aspect of restoration, that I was once a mess and then God turned me into a success. God took my marriage that was in a jumble and God turned it into a successful marriage. God took my relationships. God took my life. Whatever these stories that you hear in the future episodes, you will notice one thing, that God is a God that restores. God is a creator and he turned chaos into a beautiful universe. God does not leave things lying in the rubble. He wants to turn things into beauty. That was the whole theme of this entire nine-part interview. Beauty out of ashes. God took what the enemy seemed to have turned into ashes and out of it a phoenix arose. Beauty arose out of the ashes. He took fallen man. God took fallen man and redeemed them back into sonship and reigning with him. Wow. And he will take your messes and he'll restore them into successes. He'll take your messes and restore them into beauty. Isaiah 61.3 says, And provide for those who grieve on Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Wow. Wow. God is going to turn your ashes into splendor. That's his desire. God is in the restoration business. I was speaking with a uh, a gentleman who was sharing with me a story about when he was preaching in a prison and how he came across a man in that prison who one mistake had put him in prison for life. One thing, I'm not going to go into the details but he made one mistake. He had never had a criminal record, but he made a mistake, a bad one, and was in prison. But one of the things I know, even in that prison, that's where he met Christ. And Christ can take that broken life and he can restore it. Maybe he'll never get out of prison. That doesn't have to, you know, our vision of what restoration looks like is not always what God's vision is of what restoration. But let me tell you, his restoration is always better than our restoration. Whatever you're in, whatever turmoil you are in today, I want to let you know from the bottom of my heart that God wants to take your mess and turn it into a success. He wants to take it and turn it into a beautiful rose. Number 16, value the moments with your family. Spending time with those you love is doesn't have to be a chore. I shared, actually this is episode 9, I, I shared a principle or a story flying on a plane. I can't even remember where I was flying. 
I fly so much. But I was flying on the plane, sitting next to a lawyer who shared how her friend, who was a, a high-up judge, was lying on the bed, dying of cancer, and turned to her and said, you know, I don't care. I'm not thinking right now about how many hours I miss sitting in that chair or how many hours I could have been sitting more. How much more quickly could I have become a, a judge? I'm thinking about every moment I missed spending time with my family. Our regrets on our deathbed seem to always be. Everyone that I've talked to and everyone I've sat at deathbeds with, it's always been about family and not spending enough time with family. Value your moments. Don't take your family for granted. I know there have been many times that I've taken my family for granted. I want to encourage you. God is a gracious God and, he, and he, you don't have to feel any condemnation. But going forward from now, don't take them for granted. Find times to spend with them. Find a time to experience good times with your family. Number 17, serve one another in love. This is also from episode 9. In fact, all these next principles are from episode 9 of this interview. Serve one another in love. Giving is truly better than receiving. Learn to outgive your spouse or others. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I am all about God's grace and His mercy. But one of the things I know is, is that one of the things God wants us to do is to serve others. He was, Jesus was the greatest servant of all. And you'll notice that scripture says we've been called to live in freedom. You can do whatever you want to, but Paul says, but, but don't, don't, don't use this freedom to satisfy your, that old sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve others, serve your spouse, serve the people in your lives, give. It's better to give than is to receive. Serve one another. Before they do anything, go out and serve them. Before your wife has to clean up the dishes, go and wash the dishes. Before your spouse has to do something, think ahead and serve them. You'll see what a powerful impact this will have in your marriage. Number 18, submit to one another in love. Man, do we hate that word submit. But what the word submit means is it it's not a doormat. I think that's so sad that we have made that word into a doormat. If you look at the Greek, it means to put in place, to you to put yourself into a place. It's it's a choice again. It comes back to I choose to position myself. So when I'm submitting to God, I am putting myself through my own free choice under him. He's not forcing it. He's not saying you will do it. When it says submit to the Lord, it simply means I'm putting myself under God out of my own free will and my own free choice. So when Ephesians 5, 20 through 26 says, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it's saying, you know what? Learn out of knowing who Jesus was and how he submitted under his daddy, how he walked a life of submission because he did it. Submit to one another. It's interesting that that scripture starts with that. 
It starts with submitting to one another before it starts talking about married women. Submit to your husbands as if to the Lord, because a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, being indeed the savior of this, his body. And just as the church submits to Christ, so also married women should be entirely submissive to their husbands. Once again, that English word grates on me because that doesn't mean doormat. If you've been treated like a doormat from your spouse, that's not submission. Submission is a beautiful thing. It's a willing thing. It is something out of my own free choice and will that I say, I am going to submit to my husband. I'm going to submit to him because God has placed him in that authoritative position. And I find protection. I find beauty in that submission. But once again, as I said, notice what it started with. It started with submit to one another. So only true submission from a, for a wife to a husband can only happen when the husband is also submitting in reverence to Christ to her. Because there are things that a wife is stronger that, at the, in a, than her husband in. And because we are made that way, we are made to complement one another. And so when a husband sees those stronger areas that his wife is stronger in, he submits willingly under her and not, not grudgingly. But here's the second part to that, which a lot of men tend to forget about. Married men, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up to death for her in order to make her holy, cleansing her with the baptismal water by the word. Wow, that's a whole lot bigger commitment than her submitting under, loving her, just like Christ loved the church. Well, you know how Christ loved the church, right? He gave his life up for her. When a husband is willing to love, it's easy for a wife to submit, but submit to one another. Number 19, as I said, man, I could go on forever on that one. That he's got it. That I think in the future, I need to unload that, getting to the Greek and really share a little bit about that because I think there's so much misconception about that specific scripture and it's been used to abuse. Number 19, marriage is about leaving a legacy for your children. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Children are indeed a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts the enemies at the gate. Wow. I love that scripture talking about children are arrows. Well, what does a warrior do with arrows? He shoots them towards the target. Our purpose in our lives with our children is shoot them towards the target that God has placed, the destiny that God has for them. And part of that shooting is leaving them a healthy, strong legacy, a strong foundation. Let me be a little bit intimate here with you guys. If you're married, that relationship with your wife and you got kids, remember, little eyes are watching. Everything you do, everything you say, how you treat one another, how you show them love is a learning time for them. They are learning that you are leaving them a legacy and strong marriages leave strong legacies. It is not coincidental 
that 75%, actually I might be even off, I think it's even higher than this, of people who are incarcerated in prisons are from divorced homes, from homes that do not have fathers, from homes that are broken up. That is not a coincidence. In fact, if you look at statistics, it's scary. It is scary of the statistics of broken homes, incarcerated people, people who commit violence, people who, children who are battling at school, who have uh, emotional issues, mental issues. It is scary on how many come out of broken homes. The statistics are overwhelmingly to the side that a broken home causes a huge amount of strife and hurt and pain within children. Well, we see the results, the fruit. Your marriage is a legacy. It is a legacy to your children, to this country. And I want you to know that you are leaving a legacy for your children. And finally, number 20. Our children are not the center of our marriage. They are part of our marriage and love. Too many couples push their children into the middle of their marriage and make them the be-all and end-all. My children are more important than my spouse. I'm sorry. Your spouse is more important than your children because your relationship with your spouse, as I said in the previous point, if it's weak, it's harming your kids. Your spouse is should be the most important thing besides God in your relationship. Your relationship with God first, then your spouse. Strong relationships equal strong children. See, something about our children is that our children can teach us lessons and stretch us. I want you to know that no matter what the things that are going on in your home and the stretching that your children are giving you, that is where you and your spouse have to be a team and work together. Because sad thing is children are very good at. They, many times they don't do it intentionally, but many times they do because they cotton on to it because you've taught them by taking sides. They know how to play each of you against one another. You have got to be united front when dealing with your kids. You've got to be united in unity because it's in unity that God demands his blessing. Something else I want to also let you know is if that I learned from this is you can't protect your children from mistakes and pain all the time. Too many parents to the children's detriment try and protect their children from pain and mistakes and bail them out of issues all the time. And all it's doing is it's causing more harm than good. Stop bailing your kids out. Your kids have to learn from mistakes. Pain is part of life. And you, if you put them, wrap them in cotton wool, and when they, you're not around, how are they going to handle the pain and the struggles of life? There are times that, yes, you can rescue them. But there are times you have to help them be there for them, but not rescue them from the struggles and the pain. Allow them to go through it to learn some valuable lessons, just like you've had to do. And lastly, our identity is not in your children's success and failure. Remember that they have a free will. They have a choice. If your children are not succeeding, too many parents walk around with so much guilt 
Their children left the home and are doing things that they would not have dreamt that they taught their children. And they take it as a failure on their part. God is a God of grace. You don't have to take your children's failure onto your shoulders. You're carrying enough guilt at times yourself that you've still got to get over because you've not learned the whole aspect of there is therefore no condemnation. Don't take your children's guilt on as well. Remember, they have free will. Yes, you can learn from some things maybe and teach others on the areas that you made mistakes in and they have a free will and many of them are children and they still have the free will. Making your children's success and failure part of your identity is a road to disaster. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this nine-part interview series and the two summaries that I've done afterwards. Let me just encourage you, if you have not listened to this, just go back and listen to the different episodes. There are nine of them, and they're not too long, maybe 20 minutes on the 20, 21 minutes each. Some are shorter, some are a little longer, but you will not regret it. You will learn so much. And so I want to thank you for listening once again. I want to thank Christy and Patrick for their time that they spent with me over this time. Also, if you've got any questions or any comments about any of those interviews or something you want to add, get a hold of me at coach at orinrudolph.com. That's coach at orinrudolph.com. You can get me on my website at orinrudolph.com as well. And if you wanting to just get a hold of me and say, you know what, I have this amazing story, I know, or I know somebody who has an amazing story that I would love you to feature on your podcast because it can really touch people's lives, please get a hold of me. You've got my email, coach at orinrudolph.com, or you can also go to my website and contact me through my website at orinrudolph.com. Do check out my book, Let It Go. It's available on Amazon, and uh, I know that you are going to. I love that book. It's on forgiveness and releasing the past. And you can get it on Amazon. Or if you prefer to listen, go out to audibles.com and check it out there at audibles.com. And you can find Let It Go, finding freedom from your past and power for your future. Have a blessed and wonderful day. Grace to you. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, please visit our website at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.